taking our Bible reading today from the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, from verse 15, and then we'll read it down to 23. Ephesians chapter 1, 15 to 23. It said, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love uh, for all saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in prayers. I keep asking the Lord of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparable great um, power for us who believe. The power is like the, the that, that power that is like the working of the mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead. And he's now seated at the right hand in heavenly realms. 21. For above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. 22. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church. 23 and the last verse, which, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. It is such a privilege to be here with you this morning and to be looking at the word of God. And I'm kind of glad that Dan took about 10 minutes of my introduction because I was going to do that. But technically, that doesn't add into my talk time now, so I can start time from now. Um, do you know, it's, it's such a, it is such a privilege to be here. And I really feel like that we're in for a treat, not because I'm speaking, you know, but it's because I really feel like that God is here and he's going to meet up with us and he wants to stretch us. I really feel like that that's the word for this morning. He's already started doing that by my wife. If some, obviously you don't know Diane, but she would never ever dream of doing something like this in stage in front of people to talk. So thank you, Dan, for, for doing that. I don't think she'll be coming back. Um, it's just such a privilege to, to be here and to be in your building. And I just um, got a tour of this place and I, I love it. I genuinely love it. And um, when, I was looking, when I was walking around, I really felt like the passage in the Bible that says, Jesus says that my father's home has many rooms. And I feel that that's something that you guys can claim is a prophetic statement. And as you're positioned in the town center, I feel like that you can invite people into the Father's house, which is here, and actually you could, in a hand on heart, say that my Father's home has many rooms. You know, the work that you do and the things that you're involved, I, I want to commend you and just say thank you for doing what you're doing for, for the kingdom, and, and, and it's just, just so amazing to see all these things that, that are taking place. Um, so some of you were here at the prayer time before the meeting, um, and we just had a, a, a bit of a prayer, and do you know... It's, I always often see that as a kind of like a warm-up session for the actual church. So if you, if you can make it to them, I'm sure Dan would love to have as many people here as possible. But during the prayer, um, Jason prayed and just kind of said that, um, I just want to say that that prayer was really spot on. 
Okay, you really heard from God. And when you were talking about being a light and a salt, they actually taken my passage away that I was just going to share at the end. So thank you for that. Um, it just feels like that. My whole talk is kind of like Dan took the introduction, Jason took the ending, and Caroline, you took the middle part. So I think I'll be done, and I, I can start my journey back to wording early. Jokes aside, but, um, so thank you for that, Jason. I really felt like you heard from God and, and just reaffirmed what God has already going to speak to today. And Caroline, um, my prayer this morning has been that as I speak the, the word that God has put on my heart, that people who have been on a journey with God and they've been hurt um, or they've um, kind of like a, a broken heart or, or just a feeling of hurt specifically, that um, God will bring healing into their lives. And, and you actually prayed over me and you said that as you speak, God would um, heal the wound that has been created. So I feel like that God is already here and he's already speaking and we should just dive in. Okay, so it's great to see that you as a church, you're going through the month of prayer um, and um, you're going through the, the, the Ephesian, the, the, the Ephesian 1. I got a little bit worried when the reading went from Ephesians 15 to 22 because I was told that my section was only 17, you know, 117, but, um, but I understood that you were reading the whole passage, so, so thanks. Um, just going to read, going to pray, and then we're just going to get straight into it, okay? So the passage I'm looking at today is um, Ephesians 1:17. It says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of glory may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Let's just pray. Father, we, we just pray that you, as you're already here and you've met with us and you've already been speaking, Father, I just pray that you open our hearts to receive your word this morning, that we walk away from here as changed people, knowing that we have a heavenly Father that cares for us, loves us, and will do anything for us. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm singing into you, so I just would like to just say that, and then I'll pray with you at the end on that. So, as you gathered by now, so we have three kids. Um, time flies. It wasn't long ago when my daughter was born, and she's, she's sitting here um, trying not to embarrass her, 17, and we're looking at universities. And I'm not quite ready to do that, to, to kind of like let go of that, um, but, you know, for years we've been, we've been raising children and for years we've had a relationship with them where they've been asking us questions and they've been talking about certain things, you know. How do we do this? What do we do? What do we do with this, this situation, you know? So Tamsin's got a job and, and sometimes, you know, her boss can be a bit out of line and, and when she wants to respond, she kind of like maybe asks, you know, how do I reply for that? Because we're here... As, as our children, we're here to help them and guide them throughout the process of life, right? And we deposit something of us into them. So as they get older, they would then be able to make some of those decisions themselves. We're still there and helping them and supporting them, but actually they can make some of those decisions themselves because our DNA has been deposited into them. Our, you know, the upbringing and everything that we've done has been deposited into them. So... They know that they have an inheritance. And when I talk about inheritance today, I'm not especially talking about, you know, the inheritance, you know, the financial inheritance, but I'm talking about the, the rights, you know, the birthrights, the things that, um, the inheritance that they have and they would receive as time goes on. So when Paul is writing to this church in Ephesus, 
is trying to, right at the beginning from, from you know, section one, is kind of trying to help them understand who they are in Jesus, in Christ, in God, and basically starting is saying to them that, you know, you, you, are, you, you were predestined, we're not going to get into that, whether you believe in that or not, you were chosen by God, and you are a people of God, you know, holier than holy, all of those things that he's saying to them, because he's trying to help them understand who their identity is. And then in verse 14, just before we get into our verse, he says that, and there is a guaranteed inheritance for you. So Paul's already kind of like establishing that their identity and their inheritance, they're all coming together and saying that, and for this reason, and that's why verse 15 starts with that, saying that for this reason, so that you know what God thinks of you, you know what you have in place, and everything else that is happening, and for this reason, I'm calling you to be someone who prays and to be someone who is thankful. So on the verse 15, if you actually on your Bible, it starts the, the kind of like that paragraph with thanksgiving and prayer. So just like my kids, as, as we draw closer to God and we get to know him and his heart, we get to learn about the Holy Spirit. We get to learn about his spirit of, of wisdom and of revelation that talks about in, in Ephesians in the knowledge of him, and as we grow in our relationship with God, we get to learn his heart, even though we might not ask the same questions, we often know what the Father is saying, because we carry his DNA, we share his heart, then naturally, through that, we become more like him. When we, um, when we uh, as Dan kind of um, talks about it, in 2015, felt like that God told us to, to pack up and go to South Africa to be part of the church plant. Um, it's amazing. It, it was incredible, you know, to just go on a journey, take your children with you. For the world, it's foolishness. Because they go, what are you doing? You're in a good house, you're in a, kids are good school, but when you share the heart of God, and when you have the knowledge of the Heavenly Father, nothing else really matters, right? You see, God's design for mankind was to have a relationship with us. We learned that in Genesis 1, when God created us, in Genesis 1, 27, he says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So Adam had a relationship with God. They were building something together. God even allowed Adam to name the animals because he was so interested in Adam's input. Then we have the story of the serpent when, when that happens and the man sins. So in Genesis 3 verses 8 it says, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees. Lord God, among the trees of the garden. They had a relationship. They walked together. Man, Adam, and God walked together in the garden. They, they communicated. They spoke. That's what the design was for us. Our design was to walk with God. And sin enters, and all communication breaks. The Wi-Fi goes down. The phone signal drops. 
There is no signal. Do you know, it just, just breaks. The communication breaks. We can't then approach God like we used to. We can't then just walk in the cool of the gardens and, and just hang out with God. God would only speak to the selected that he wanted to speak to, as you learn through the, gener- through the Old Testament. So generations after generations came, people after people came, and nobody would know what God was like. They only would get to know God through a certain person. And then God brings law and brings commandments, and only then you then learn what is God's heart is through the certain things that we had, they had to do. If you sinned, you had to kill a goat. If you sinned again, I'm not going to list it. I don't know them that well. You know what was a pigeon for and the, and the dove and stuff. But there, were, there was a sacrifice. There was a price that we had to pay if we didn't keep in line with what God wanted us to do. thousand years later, God then sends his one and only son to repair the connection. He was the BT Open reach. You know those vans that you see going around? I don't know if you, you, you see them here, but in, in, in Worthing, we all, often seems to be phone lines always going down because I always see those, those vans zooming around. Comes in, dies on a cross for us, and he sacrifices himself, a selfless act, and he places himself in that gap that was between God and man and he reboosts that Wi-Fi, that internet connection, so then we can then again have a connection with God. Then we can again have a relationship with God. We don't need to go to, to, to a man. We don't need to go. Imagine every Sunday you came here and you had to line up and speak to Dan about all of your sins for the week, and you bring your goats along and your ship along, and then it would just be, it would be chaos, wouldn't it? And then Dan would be like, oh, you did it again. Did we not talk about that last week? You... Come on, this time you've got to use two goats because you're really not learning. But we're grateful for that, right? So Jesus died on a cross. He was the ultimate sacrifice for all of our sins, for the sins that happened in the past, for the sins that are happening right now, and the sins that will take place in the future. He took it on. We then learned that through the Old Testament, after all of those happened between Adam and God, God didn't say, forget about it, you can all go to hell. No, he said, I will rescue my children. And that is why in this book, throughout the Old Testament, it points to one thing and one thing only. And that is at the time on the cross when Jesus died, he said, it is finished. Because he did everything that God wanted to accomplish through Jesus. It was done, okay? So hopefully, I've covered a bit, given you a bit of background. You're in a, in a church, a Christian church. We love Jesus. We preach Jesus. If you didn't know that, you do know now, hopefully. Good. The crowd is just as tough here as it is in Worthing. <laughs> the African crowd, on the other hand, love it. So, so we're part of this family. He's called us to, um, be, to have a relationship with him. He is our father. We get a guaranteed inheritance that Paul talks about it. So that's why I've I, I given you a, bit of a quick recap of the, of the Old Testament and why, we, why we're here. So why is Paul talking about prayer and thanksgiving? What is prayer? 
So a prayer is a, a solemn request for help or expression of thanks addressed to God, according to Google Dictionary. Martin Luther says, to be a Christian without a prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Prayer is a fundamental part of our Christian walk. We don't just pray because we are in trouble or need, but we pray out of joy and thankful heart. That's why David was dancing around and looking like a whatever, you know, because he had a joyful heart. So Paul is writing um, for this church in verse 16 saying that he is giving thanks to God for who they are, and, they, and then he's saying that he prays for wisdom and revelation. So this is an invitation for all of us. This is an invite to God to ask God for his wisdom, for his, for his revelation of his knowledge. You see, it doesn't matter what we're going through in life, what challenges we face, or what problems we're staring at. I can pray for that for you. I can rebuke it. But I feel like that we're not really, even though as important as it is, because Jesus did pray for healings and all of those things. But what I'm trying to talk about here today is, is trying to touch the root. If our hearts and our mind is not in the right place, we're only just dealing with the surface. There's a story in Luke 5. You all probably know the story as I tell you, but Jesus was, was talking in a house and they bring this, this, this paralyzed man to Jesus on, through the roof. I mean, I'd love to be there. I would have helped them remortgage and, and refinance and, and then uh, we can redo the roof. But, but you know, but just, just imagination of how, how you're sitting there, Jesus is there, and, and somebody just rips your roof apart. I mean, that's just, that's just incredible. But they place this man before Jesus. And, and Jesus says to him, your sins are forgiven. That causes a bit of a problem, doesn't it? Because all of the Pharisees and all of the people are going, he forgives sins? The man is paralyzed. And Jesus hears this and he says, what's easier to say? Get up and walk or your sins are forgiven. Do you know, Jesus knew that what that man wanted to hear above all else, above his physical appearance and conditions, that his sins are forgiven. He knew that what he needed to hear was far greater than what it looked like. Okay? So, the revelation in the knowledge of him. So for us right now, the root is that once we have a relationship with God, once we have a wisdom and revelation of his knowledge, then surely we know we are secure in Christ. Then we should know that where our security lays. We know nothing can separate us from Christ. That is why Paul in Romans, then writes in Romans 8, 35 to 39, it should come up, it says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? At it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, 
In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angel nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor power nor height nor depth nor nothing else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of Christ, from love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. He knows that. He knows that his security, his inheritance is in God because he has had the spirit of wisdom and of revelation of the knowledge of him. And he's saying that he can't do anything to me. And that's what happens, isn't it? You read through Acts and they say to him, don't go to this place. And he goes, I'm going because God told me. I'm going to Bloemfontein, South Africa. Do you know, when we told people that we were going to Bloemfontein, South Africa, they go, oh, shame. And shame is such a South African. Any South Africans in the house? Oh, we pray more South Africans for you. Honestly, you guys are missing out. I mean, they're great people. I'm not just saying that because my wife's from there. They are great people, so we pray more South Africans. You even got the flag there, so come on, Lord, more South Africans here. So, I don't know what I was saying. Oh, Bloemfontein. (laughs) So they were saying, you know, so so we're saying, shame. Bloemfontein. And they, they have this thing, actually. They say, you cry twice. Once when you go to Bloemfontein, and once when you leave, because something of that place that does to you. Anyway, so people often stand back and look at us and go, but when we have the true revelation of God, then no one can stand against us. I used to work in a, in a local authority a few years ago, and um, I enjoyed what I did, and I found it quite challenging. But when you find out, when they found out I was a Christian, the spotlights were on me. Don't you just love that? They hear you're a Christian, and they're like, they're looking at you, honestly. They, I, I love it, I love it. Sometimes I do things on purpose just to wind them up. But um, it, was, it was quite a challenging time. It felt quite isolating. And there were times that, that um, they would actually come to me and say to me, why are you so annoying Christian? Why can't you be like so-and-so who's a Christian and nobody knows? Don't be those kind of Christians. Be these annoying Christians, please, because we can't advance the kingdom if nobody knows, right? But it was hard. It was, it was isolating, and the simplest option for me was to say, see you later, we're going, I'm going, I'm not doing this. But I felt like that God wanted me there, and he wanted me to stay there and work through things. As frustrating as it was, um, I gave it to God, and, and God before God, and I felt you know, the revelation of the knowledge of him that I had kind of told me to, to stay there. Because I knew that I'm a child of God. I knew that he cares for me. I knew that he would fight my battles. He would deliver me. And I decided to give it to God. And as painful as it was, as an unfair as it was, Spend a few months pushing in and just allowed God to shape me. And you know, the result wasn't what I wanted at the end, but I learned something of me and something of God. Because what we know is what the enemy wants to use to harm us, God will use to build us. So whatever we're facing today, I want to assure you and I want to tell you, church, it is not bigger than God. God is in control of our lives. And all you have to do is say, okay, God, let's do this.
then when we are in that place of being in tune with God and in prayer, we connect it to him and we have a relationship with him. So, part of my gift is I, I, I have a prophetic gift. And as I was preparing this, just felt like that there, there's a few things I'm just going to read out. And if you fall into any of these categories, I would love to, for you to come back and, and um, I would love to pray for you in, into this. Because just wanted to exercise and show you how to use the, the, this revelation of the knowledge that God gives us. Okay, so I feel like there's someone here who's um, lost a family member. I would, I would love to pray with you. And um, someone's looking for a job or, 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 or looking to change job. Um, I feel like that someone's um, feel trapped emotionally. They, they really feel like, um, yeah, feel trapped. I feel like someone here has a sport injury. Um, someone here who with a neck injury. And someone who's gone through a broken relationship and seeking God in this. So if any of those things apply to you, I would I would love to pray for you. And then what I'll do is we'll um I'll tell you know, we, we can talk to Dan and Dan maybe can share some stories and stuff, not in details, but just sometimes when the things God speaks, we want to then celebrate that God is actually calling us and, and praying with us. So we can so Come forward, I would love to pray with you, and then we can see, we see where that goes. So what do we then do with the, with the wisdom and knowledge? So we have two options, really. We can either build for ourselves and be individualistic, and as long as we're happy and we're good and, and God is, is all fine, it's okay. We, we, we sort it. Or we can build for God and for church so we can advance his kingdom. We can use that wisdom that God gives us, the revelation in the knowledge of him to build and encourage others to be a prophetic people in tune with God so we are secure and we bring others along with us. When Paul is writing to, to, the, to the church in Ephesus, he's not just addressing the church leaders, he's not just addressing the, the elders, he's addressing every single person in that church. Everyone has a role, a role to play in, in the church, in advancing the kingdom. I stand here as a prophetic person and I say that, that the gift is not just for the selected few. It's for all of us. It's an inheritance for us to have and have fun with it. I pray this for myself and I pray this for you, that God will, would give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him to be prophetic-minded people, connected and in tune with God, that we are building for him and for advancing his kingdom. That is why in 1 Corinthians 14, 1, Paul writes to the church of Corinth, and he says that, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially the one of prophecy. He says that because he understands that the gift of prophecy is there to edify the church. He's not knocking off the other, other gifts of the spirits. They're, they're there, they, they, you know, they're wonderful, some gifts, and I would love to pray for you to receive some of the gifts of the spirits. If you, if you feel like that you've been a Christian, and, and, and I don't know, I would love to pray for Holy Spirit to come on you and to give you those, those gifts of the spirits. 
If whatever I said this morning doesn't make sense, I want you to take one thing from it. Nothing else matters. Yeah? Honestly. Nothing else matters. Our situation, our lives, our dreams, our ambition, our drives, and so on. The only thing that matters is that we receive the Holy Spirit, we receive the, the Spirit of the wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him, and then when we are in that journey of getting there with God, and when we face God, all other things will become bearable. I assure you of that. I, I stand here as, as, as a, a living testament of that. I can't share some of the things that I've been through in my journey because of the, the recording, but I stand here and say, if it wasn't for God, I wouldn't be standing here. If it wasn't for His grace, if it wasn't for His mercy, I would be in a ditch somewhere. Way, 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 way. Died probably many years ago. But you know, when God comes and meets up with us, he lifts us up and he brings us and he brings us to his house. Just like here, he's got many rooms and he says, you are my son. You are my daughter. You know, when Jesus came and died on a cross for us and when that connection was connected, only then, then we become brothers and sisters. I would have never met any of you in any other circumstances. Lucky for you, but, but we wouldn't have. But it's only through Christ that we're united together. Once we give everything to God, we're then naturally aligning ourselves with the truth of the gospel and, we, and our judgment and everything else changes and we say, Lord, I am here and, and I'm working through with this. And only then, it doesn't matter what your dreams or ambitions are. Because then that becomes God's dreams and ambition. And God doesn't want anything bad for us. I want, I want you to understand that. A few years ago, I used to work in a bank. I used to love talking to my clients. I used to pray with them. I used to prophesy over them. My branch manager knew about it. And do you know what he said? He said, I don't care. As long as you bring in business and do whatever you want. If you want to be a Christian in a workplace, I urge you to be good at your job. Because... That's normally, uh, you know, it, it, you're already on a spotlight, and if you're not good at your job, then... But I had a lady who um, came into my office, and she was in a wheelchair, quite a young lady, and we were just chatting, and, and I was helping her open a bank account, and I felt like that God turned around to me and said to me, tell her. And I was just nervous. I was like sweaty palms, and, and just like sweating, and, and just a bit like, now, right now, it's a bit hocking, isn't it? <laughs> But it was just because just when God speaks, it's out of the ordinary, isn't it? And then you're trying to bring it into this ordinary, and you're this vessel, and you go, oh, why me? And I just, I just, normally, what I say is, do you believe in God? Do you, do you have a, um, yeah, do you believe in God? Do you have any faith? And then I explain about, about prophecy, what it is. I just say it's normally a revelation that God gives to me, that then I can just, Put on anyway, so I got her, her agreement, and it was quite a bizarre word. I felt that for years she saw herself as half a woman. I don't know what I, I don't even know what that you know, what does that even mean? Do you know, she, she, I felt like she was in a wheelchair and she just saw herself as half of a person. So I just said to her, I said, I really feel like God's saying that 
stop looking at yourself as a half a person. You're a whole person. He loves you and cares for you. Do you know, God came and met with her. That place is filled with the presence of God. She looked at me. I thought she was going to punch me. And she just gave out this cry where there was, you know, what, man. The manager ran into the room wondering what on earth was going on. I mean, he said he can do anything, but like making clients cry wasn't part of the, the criteria. You know, normally they would leave my office with a bank account and loads of tissue to just cover their face, you know. To, to, but she just cried and she just, she, it was like a way, I can't explain it. I, I genuinely got scared for my job and everything else. And, and then and it was a glass window and people were walking past going, she's taking that decline very seriously. But, but it's just God came and met with her in her everyday life and all of a sudden she felt her, this weight was lifted because she understood that the creator of the universe is saying, I love you. I see you. Just want to conclude, and if the band could come up, and um, I just want to ask you this question: Where is your walk with God? What gifts do you have? How do you feel when you hear about the gifts of the prophecy? How do you feel about the relationship that God is calling you to? Often we are, sp- I can't say this word, skeptical of wanting to go on a journey with God because we are worried about what we must sacrifice. We are worried about how this would look, where we would end up. But we cannot be in a relationship that we only give partial attention to. Imagine you're married. If you're not yet, just imagine you are. But imagine you're in a, a relationship, in a marriage, and you're only half committed. How, how would that look? Or, or, or you're trying to raise your children, and you're only half committed. God is looking for full commitment. I love the story of this double-decker bus. At the start of the double-decker bus says, egg and bacon... The great British breakfast. And as he's going through the, the countryside and through the farms, it goes past a farm and, and there's a, a, a pig and a chicken. And the chicken turns around to the pig and says, Look, look, we're famous. Egg and bacon. The great British breakfast. The pig turns around to the chicken and he says, It's all right for you. Because all you have to do is to give a contribution. But for me, it costs my life. You see, Jesus is not interested in contributions. Augustine wrote this, Christ is not valued at all unless he, is, unless he be valued above all. Christ is not Lord at all unless he is Lord of all. Can we stand, please? I'm just going to read this. This is scripture over us. This is what um, Jason read, um, alluded to in his prayer earlier. Um, I, 
this is your time to do business with God. Like I said, I love to pray for you. I love to um, hear God. And, and, and if any of those things are said, I will, you know, please come forward and I'd love to pray with you. But let me read this over you. If you want to stand, your eyes closed, your, your hands out. In Matthew 5, 13 to 16, I'm going to read this over you. Jubilee Church Hall, this is for you. This is for every single one of you. You are the light of the world. You are the light of this high street. You are the light of this town center. You are the light when the guy comes and picks up his big issue. You are the light when they come and pick up the food from the food bank. You are the light when you give in your, your, your offerings. You are the light when you're doing the kids' work. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under the basket but on a stand, and he gives light to all in the house. In the same way, Jubilee, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let us make a decision here today that we are not to be Christians who will make contributions, but will be Christians who will have an impact in the world. But we only can have an impact in the world and change it if we are willing to be changed by Jesus ourselves. Amen.